Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah K Podcast. Welcome, welcome back. We are here. It's December. Boy, it's getting colder outside a little bit, you know. The 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 holiday season is definitely here. Um, I'm hoping everybody is gonna enjoy the holiday season and the year is winding down. The year is winding down. So um I think we had we've had a really, really good year on this podcast. I greatly uh I greatly appreciate you guys. I say it all the time, but I honestly do. I honestly greatly appreciate you guys and all the support and so forth that I get with just not not only just the amount of people that we have listening and the listeners and the supporters that we have gained over the past few years, but also the sharing and the, 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 you know, the, the back and forth comments that I get and so forth that I like, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I love the disagreements and when people, you know, they think they're trying to call me out, whatever, but, but I like it. I like it when I love, I like, I love the people that agree with my takes and, you guys like see where I'm coming from, but also I, I probably like the people even more that disagree with me because it gives me a chance to uh, better elaborate on why I think or see something as I see it. Um, so everybody that's just listening, whether you agree with my stuff and you think I'm smart and even the people who don't necessarily agree um, and, you know, like I hope you I hope you're able to see my viewpoint and so forth. Um, and hopefully you can start agreeing with me more. But regardless, um, you know how we start the show. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Um, like I said, this is the first, I think this is the first installment episode of December. So this guy, this will be getting to you guys. And we honestly have a lot to talk about. I may have a guest, a guest come on and give you guys some well-deserved and some well-deserved NBA content, perhaps. Uh, so we're, 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 I'm gonna get to that, but I want to start with the college football playoff because I'm excited. I've been, I've been on college football really, really hard this year. I've been giving you guys a lot of college football, um, content, I would say, uh, more than ever, honestly. I, I like, I feel like throughout the college football season, we talked about college football, like every, like on a weekly basis, um, and and th- I would say this year was a really interesting year in college football. And to get more into that, I want to start with, did the committee get the four teams right? We have the playoff. The co- conference championship weekend is over. Uh, we got bowl games in, in place and set and formulated. Did the four, t- did the committee get the four teams right? Right. And I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's people that have different thought processes of how the committee should elect and pick these teams who, who should go to the playoff. And I, I you guys know how I feel about it. I, this is this is a this is a selection process that has no set criteria. So with no set criteria, that leaves the room open and the, the margin for error of it like it's greater. It's it's probably it's probably gonna happen, in my opinion. Based on the field of play, and you take an account of resumes and the cases that that were made by these teams, I do think the, the committee got it right. Overall, it took a lot to get there for you know the right the four teams, but I think based on resumes and based on the cases that were made on the field 
this year, I think the fourteen playoff was correctly chosen by the committee. Yes, I think they got it correct. And <clears throat> I will say this. People, many people like have the like, it should be the best four teams. Uh, and I, I I disagree with that. Like it should be the best four teams, but it should be that like a lot of people are trying to make the case for Alabama, right? Let's just use Alabama because that was the that was the case. That was the argument. That was what the people that was arguing the four best teams. They was arguing that Alabama should have made it. I didn't think Alabama should have made it. I, I just don't think so. I don't think they were a playoff team this year. Their best. So we're looking at Alabama. Let's compare Alabama to the chosen four, right? Obviously, they wouldn't get in over Georgia. Georgia has a, a, a much more outstanding resume and so forth. And I told you guys, even if these teams were to lose, I thought they, I thought they still should have made the playoff. And I'm talking about the top three. Um, which they did. Um, Georgia, outstanding resume. That's not even argue there. Uh, Michigan, they have the best win in the country. There's no argument there. And a conference champ. TCU, granted, they're not a conference champ, but TCU's resume, I think, is a little. It's, it looks a little bit better than than Alabama does. Alabama best win is versus a Texas team. That same Texas team. I would argue if they had Quinn Ewers, Texas probably wins that game. I think a lot of people makes that argument. TCU, they played Quinn Ewers, a whole four quarters of Quinn Ewers, and their in TCU's defense absolutely balled out and had a dominant performance. Now, it was a slugfest in terms of, like, you know, offensively, neither team could really do much and amount to anything. But TCU, like, they came away with the win. Also, TCU has two more. They have two top 25 wins more than Alabama does. And like I said, granted, they lost their 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 conference championship, but this goes back to my point. There's no set criteria. There's no criteria saying, hey, in order to make the playoff, you got to be a conference champion. Ideally, you want a conference champion if, if needed be. Yeah, but TCU... They didn't. They they're not a conference champ, but they still had two more wins over Alabama. Two more wins. They had two whole wins more than Alabama. I think for me that was enough. And honestly, if you want to, I, I keep going back to the conference championship loss with TCU. They were literally a foot away. So I would like they're they're one play away from being Big Twelve champions. Which I think if if they win the conference championship game, there's no argument. And then we get to Ohio State, the last team that made it over Alabama. Ohio State, granted, their best win is better than Alabama's best win. So Ohio, so Ohio State wins that category. We look at Ohio State's loss. Now, here's the thing where I think it could be, get a bit tricky. Ohio State lost to Michigan. And they lost to Michigan. They got, they got, they got stomped. They got completely stomped out at home by Michigan. Now, I would argue, you look at Alabama losses, Alabama, both of their losses were narrow losses, came down literally to the, probably the last, I think the last play, yeah, the last play, where a field goal beats them at, in Knoxville versus Tennessee, and then LSU beats them in overtime. But you look at how, okay, Tennessee, boom, 
and then LSU, who has four, I think, four losses on the season now. And then we look at who Ohio State lost to. Ohio State arguably lost to the second-best team in college football. And I would argue over the past 18 to 24 months, Michigan has been the second-best college football team in the country. And over the past 18 to 24 months, the record proves it. In the last 26 games, I think Michigan is 25-1. and one. You know who, who you know who what's the only program in the country that has a better record than that? Georgia, the defending champions, and also the number one seed, and also the team that's probably favored. So that so Ohio State losing to Michigan, granted it's a rivalry. I think a lot of it goes into like it's a big game. There was a lot on the line, and Michigan just completely stomped Ohio State at home. I also taking into account that Michigan is really, really good. And they've been, over the past couple of years, over the past 18 to 24 months, they have been the second-best college football program in the country. Alabama lost to an emerging Tennessee football team. Got it. And then they lost to LSU, first-year head coach and Brian Kelly. Not saying Brian Kelly's a great coach, but they lost. Bama lost. Bama has two losses. And then in, even in their wins – like I said, their best and their best win, it wasn't even a convincing stat in fact, like in convincing fashion. Ohio State, they beat number eight Penn State, they, a, a really good Penn State team. They beat number eight Penn State, and they did it pretty convincingly. They, Bama didn't do that with Texas. Bama didn't do that with Texas. Bama narrowly got away with a victory over Texas A&M, over a Texas A&M team that was that was probably the most disappointing team and like just judging by expectation, probably the most disappointing team in college football this year. So just judging Alabama, if people want to make the argument that the best four teams should get in and you think Alabama was just by the quote unquote eye test, they were the best four teams. I just don't think that's the way because I you look at Alabama this year, even in their quote unquote best win versus Texas really wasn't in good style or fashion. They weren't a playoff team this year. And I think a lot of people were trying to argue Alabama because of pre-existing bias. People were people were relying on Alabama's brand in their in their they're trying to justify their quality of losses and they're trying to overlook it and and put them into the playoff. Like I said, I think Nick Saban, great coach, the greatest college football coach ever. And this run that Bama has been on. Since he essentially since he's taken over this job at Bama, it's it's the best dynasty in college football ever. But we should we gotta get away from our pre-existing bias impacting present day decisions. Because this year, the four teams that was chosen to be in the playoff, I thought I thought had better resumes in Quite honestly, they made the case on the field that they should make the playoff. So I think the committee got it right. I I think the committee this year got it right. Georgia, like I said, Georgia, Georgia, they had a couple uh, moments, but they were still thirteen and zero. They won the SEC championship in convincing in convincing fashion over LSU. Put up fifty, number one seed, and the defending champs. 
Michigan won the Big Ten again. They they have the bet they have by far the best win in the country. Going to the horse, going to the going to the shoe and beating Ohio State the way they did it as well, too. That also helps. TCU, as I've already said, TCU uh undefeated throughout the season. They the the team that they lost to in the Big 12 championship in Kansas State, they beat earlier. So in the year, so it's not like it's not like a USC situation where USC they face Utah early in the season. They got they they got smacked by Utah and then got smacked again by Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. Like it wasn't like a, that type of situation. They just split Kansas State TCU split. But other than that, Max Duggan has been one of the better players and most valuable players in college football this year. So when I look at Tennessee, I thought they I thought them getting in was the right decision. And then lastly, Ohio State. Ohio State throughout the first 11 games of the season, they won all of their games by double digits. No other team in the country can say that. So by the eye test, Ohio State was they were very dominant this year. With the with the with the exception of one game versus Michigan, as I've already stated, Michigan over the past 18 to 24 months, over the past 2 years, over the past 26 games, Michigan has the second best record in the country. That was my that that that's 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 my justification that's my justification for it. I think the committee got it right. I also think the committee had it easy on them. The committee this year, they had it easy on them in terms of like despite three out of the top power five conferences, uh, the, like three conference champions. They're not even gonna make the playoff. Utah won the Pac-12. Clemson won the, the ACC, and Kansas State, they won the Big 12. All three of those teams did not have a chance at all at making the playoff. So despite that, the committee had it easy on them. They had two teams. They had three teams with either uh, – they had, they had three teams that, w- that went undefeated up until the conference championship. Like the resumes were like you can put two and two together. I'm not saying one resume is better than the other in terms of these four teams, but you look at these teams. It's like okay, resume is pretty good. Resume, like you look at these teams, you're like okay, they they're fine. So I think the committee, comp- like comparing it to past years, previous years, I think they had it easy on them because you look at you had two undefeateds in Georgia and Michigan. That's a given. And then you had a TCU team that, like I said, their resume was strong and they had been in your they have been like really high in your rankings throughout the year. And they they had a hiccup in their conference championship game. But as I stated, the, the conference champ that beat them, TCU beat them early in the year. And then Ohio State, like I said, they're not a conference champ. But I think we can I think we can agree that. Ohio State was the second best team in the Big Ten, even though they didn't make the conference championship game. Like they didn't participate in it. But we can we can all agree that they were probably the second best team in the Big Ten. And this goes back to my this kind of feeds into one of my points uh that's irrelevant right now. But that's why like divisions in conferences do not make sense. They like they do not make sense because you have a situation in the Big Ten 
where you have Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, like all literally all in the same division. And I named those top three schools. Those are usually the top three schools in the Big Ten. Usually. Not to not I don't wanna I don't I don't wanna shit on Iowa. I don't wanna shit on Wisconsin, but let's be real. The Big Ten, when you think of the Big Ten, top three teams that probably sh- should come to mind is Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. And they're all on one side. They're all in the same division. So I would argue that's why divisions aren't good for college football or they're not good for conferences in college football because you have situations like this where it's like Ohio State's better than Purdue, (laughs) you know. But granted, um, I think the committee overall, they had it easy on them this year with picking the teams. uh, They only had, they didn't have, they didn't have like, a big selection to pull from. Uh, it was either like you go Ohio State or you go Alabama. I think the easier, the easiest path was to choose Ohio State because you had them at five. Because USC, USC lost obviously, so that put them out. So you had Ohio State at five. The next team, that's the next team with the spot. Like without Alabama playing, it's like it's kind of hard to justify putting Bama at in the four when you, they just leapfrog Ohio State. It, it would have been harder, really, really hard to do that, especially with a Bama team that has more losses and less wins. And, on, and we just we just compare resumes. Ohio State has a better – like they. so the committee took the easiest path, which was, in my opinion, the correct path. You see? You see how things go in life? Sometimes we think like – we think the correct decision or the correct outcome, it, it like it comes with making difficult decisions. No, it don't. The committee got it right. The committee got it right in terms of, in my opinion, they got it correct. And they chose the easiest answer. Sometimes the easiest, we think the toughest choices in life, it comes with a tough, like, no. It was a easy. It was a fairly easy decision to make, and they took the easiest path. So that's what I think about the playoff. Um, I'm excited. I want to shift gears. I want to give you guys my top ten NFL teams. We, ah, I've been, ah, man. I know you guys can't wait to to hear my top ten teams. Um, lot has. I'm not has a lot changed. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not gonna say if a lot changed, but I'm gonna give you guys my top ten list right after this and. I'm going to bring my – I think I'm going to have a guest on for the NBA. So i catch you guys at the quick break. So before I move on to um, – and before I move on and bring on my guests, I want to talk about USC really quickly because I know I just did a whole 20-minute college football segment. Here's my thing with USC because I know people want to know what I think about USC. And uh, they got – obviously, they got one more – their season's not over. They got one more game. They're playing in the Cotton Bowl, I think. I think they're playing the Cotton Bowl, yeah. But I say this about USC. USC and Lincoln Rally, Caleb Williams and the crew, I predicted them to be a 9 to 10 win team. I thought they would win. I thought the losses that they took, I I I I thought they would take those losses. I told you guys at the beginning of the year they would go like 10 and 2 and they would lose to probably they would lose to Utah. And then probably to either UCLA or Notre Dame. Now they beat 
UCLA and Notre Dame. They beat both of those teams. So they did that. But then they lost to Utah twice. And I, I picked out those three games. I knew that I, I picked them to I picked Utah to beat USC. And then I thought maybe Notre Dame or either UCLA. Those three teams, what they all have in common is they can attack USC's weakness, which was their defense, their defense, and mainly their rush defense. And if you can run the ball on someone, you, you're, I mean, obviously you can control the trenches, but then that opens that if you can run the ball, the defense is going to collapse on the run. That then opens up for the passing game. So I looked at particularly Utah because I knew Utah would be a really good football team. And I knew Utah, they have a certain style of play for years. They're going to be physical. They're going to run the football. They're not going to quit on the running game. They're going to play good defense. So I I kind of figured out of all of the Big 12 or Pac-12 opponents and looking at their USC schedule, I kind of figured Utah would give them the most problems. They did. Now, on the bright side, USC, in a lot of people's eyes, overachieved. The mere fact that we were going into conference championship weekend and all USC had to do was win and they were in the college football playoff, that is an absolute that's that's one of the best turnarounds that we have seen in a long time. Um, it's it was actually the best turnaround program history. They went from winning four games last year to eleven win team this year, and they still have one more game left, so they can finish on the season twelve and one, which they probably will. So they're gonna probably finish twelve and one on the season at uh, or excuse me, twelve and two on the season. So. I look at this. I look at this USC team and what Lincoln Riley has done. First, Lincoln Riley did a great job, and I think the tra- this is showing you that I think the transfer portal is going to transfer <laughs> transform um, how we look at college football today. Usually, with usually with a new coach, a new program, new team, first year coach, we're giving them two three years. I always tell you guys, it took it took um it took Pete Curl at USC. Pete Curl went six and six his first year at USC. It took him two years. It took it took Saban two years in Alabama. It usually takes two, three, maybe even four years for a coach to really, really get his fingerprints on the program. Now, Lincoln Riley did it in six months. Brian Kelly took over LSU, Rocky Start. Took over LSU. They're playing the SEC championship game. So I look overall. I look at the USC season, and granted, you know, I know they're disappointed because they wanted to be playing for a national championship. But the mere fact that they were legitimately that that they had a chance at that, and they just lost in the pack in the in the Pac-12 championship game, I think shows how good Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams was this season. Big shout out to the to to entire team right but the transfers was really the story for usc caleb williams jordan addison um even like the running back uh thigh like travis thigh the trans uh, mario wood the transfers was the big time story here in usc and I, i told you guys time and time again with caleb williams i thought Early, very early on, I told you guys, I was like, 
USC offensively in the skill position in terms of quarterback, running back, receiver, they are prob they're they're top five, and really they were they they were they were amongst the country's elite. Now, in terms of the trenches and trying to control the trenches in the line of in the line of scrimmage, they need some work. And it's going to come back to bite them. But as I said, Caleb Williams, I thought was the best player in college football. I thought he was the most valuable player in college football. No one, no one team depended on one player more than USC did with Caleb Williams this year. That's a fact. He 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 was so valuable, he dictated how they played defense. No other, like he was very valuable to what USC did this year. So big shout out to Caleb Williams, who I think should be the Heisman Trophy winner. I think he should be the Heisman Trophy winner. But USC overall, this is a great year. Like this was honestly the best case scenario. If you would have asked someone, how do you think Lincoln Riley's first year at USC was going to go? This was the best case scenario. I, I, I want people to understand, like, you don't see coaches take four win teams in college football and then turn them into a legitimate like they had a chance at the college football play. You don't see that. Even at a luxurious and a very storied program like USC, you don't see that. I told you, Pete Curl, it took him his first year, he went six and six at, at the same school, same program. <laughs> so it, it it just doesn't happen every day. Like this isn't common. What they did was really, really was extremely impressive. So big shout, big shout out to USC. But about to have my guest come on and talk some NBA. All right. So as I told you guys, um, I I told you guys I'm a, I was gonna give you guys NBA content, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to bring somebody on and so forth. I wanted to have guests talk about the NBA and so forth. And this is my this is really I think this is my first time really talking about the NBA. Um, since the season has started, we're almost at like that Christmas day point where it's like, okay, we know what teams are. We know what teams are not and so forth. Um, and I just thought maybe I, uh, you know, I should bring on, if, if it's anybody that does, I should bring on to discuss the NBA, I should bring on my guy, my friend. Uh, he's really, really smart in terms of this of basketball your knowledge your knowledge really really impresses me and like i i i you teach you learn you you teach a lot of things so my guy naji aka uh, as you guys probably know as no layups um you got you started that your nets podcast too i like that oh yeah appreciate that appreciate that check it out no layup uh just go up talk some hoops just another form of getting my thoughts and stuff off yeah, um, so how you doing? You doing pretty good? Man, I'm doing great, man. This season has sort of feels like it's been going on forever. And I'm like, yo, we still got a long ways to go. Like, Yeah, the the, the season, and I'll say this. I, I, like, obviously I watch, I watch games here and there, but right now I, I've been covering college football, NFL, so forth, and like all that good stuff. I'll tell you this. I, I've always criticized and critiqued the NBA season starting in Oct- in the middle of October, where you got uh, you got football, college football, the prime of the NFL. You got so much stuff going on, and you're competing with those factors. But I tell you this: 
the NBA, like the quality in the games early on in October, November, and December up until this point, I think have been pretty good. Like I think the quality on a night-to-night basis, the quality hasn't been as bad um, in previous years where it's like you can tell like it's early in the season. But like, like a lot, some of these teams got off to really hot starts and so forth. Got, got your stars are playing at peak level already, playoff form already. That's 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 a little rare. So I I will say that. But um, let's get into it. Let's let's get into it. I know you had some things you want to say and so forth and get into, and we can and you can we can definitely do that for sure. Um, so this team, this particular team, after losing in the NBA Finals, the Boston Celtics, they have come back, and obviously we know all what. What had happened right literally right before the season started with their coach MA Udoka. Um, but I must say, Joe Mazzula has taken on uh, a similar approach that Udoka had. It's like he's a player's guy, he's like a player's coach and real relatable. I think I thought that was the big thing with Udoka. Like he's a man's man, he's played in the league, guys respect him, and he's relatable. Uh, I get that same feeling with Joe Mazzula. Uh, the Celtics are they are twenty one and five. Um, the teams they I've, I've I've watched them play certain teams like Phoenix. Um, I've seen them just dominate these teams pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Do you think the Celtics are the best team uh, in the NBA right now? And I and I saw earlier today that you had made you had made some comments about that Phoenix game. You can go into that, but. Do you think they're the best team in basketball right now? Yeah, I think it's pretty um I would say it's almost pretty clear that they're the best team in basketball. I would say um it's either them or Milwaukee. But like you know, a lot of people, you know, have the the Bucks, you know, coming out the east and stuff. I mean you got their top three defense. I mean they have the best player in the world. But yeah. I always like say this that you know people like to say well they took them what they went seven games last seven games with no middleton yeah like to me it was one of those series that was close but wasn't really close if that makes sense like yeah i argue that the next series of boston was closer than the the bucks in milwaukee and some people that sounds crazy coming up because like well, one went seven, one went four. But when you look at the games, it's like every game Boston won, they were blowing them out. Like, yeah. literally smoking the Bucks. So it's like, yeah. were the Bucks actually that good? Or were the games they won, you know, because, you know, Middleton was hurt as, you know, some depth stuff, where the Celtics just underperforming those games and also Rob will, you know, being hindered, smart playing with an injury and stuff. <laughs> so it was just like one of those fluky things. Like I like to look at the net rating for stuff rather than the amount of games in the series. Cause the point differential matters. Cause I'm sure we all played sports before where we've let somebody, you know, get close to a game where we really know, like every time we really will, we usually can blow them out. Like, right. So, I think by far they're the best team in basketball. And their defense haven't even been that good this year. It's been their offense that's like seven points, almost eight points above league average. Like 
that's historically good. And then they still have above average defense. And Rob Williams, who's actually their best defender, hasn't even played this year. Hasn't even played, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like I, I, I also I, I didn't even think they lost to Golden State. They were that far apart from Golden State. I thought they needed some tweaking with some schemes. Um, last year, and that their offense had to be better, and their offense is actually better. And I should be able to trust that their defense is going to go back to being god tier when um <laughs> Rob will come back. So it, it, Boston is pretty comfortably above the field right now. Yeah, I, and it's funny that you make that 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 point out that you point that out with with that Buck series because. You know, blindly people say, hey, that Bucks series went seven games without Middleton. Just imagine if the Bucks had Middleton. And we can play that game. Like, I feel like when we do that, we we can play those games each and every year throughout the playoffs. It feels like you can just individually pick a series or two and be like, what if this team had, like, injuries happen. It's, it's a part of the game. And you mentioned it. I remember, I actually remember the Bucks. I think it was game... It was a game in Boston, and the Celtics, they had every chance to win the game, and they let Milwaukee hang around. Milwaukee honestly shouldn't have won the game. I think it was, I want to say game five. I want to say it was game five where Milwaukee practically stole a win. Um, And and you compare it to that net series, the first two games really in Boston and in that Brooklyn and that opening series – those games were close, and yeah, we it, didn't lose by a lot. We lost, I think, like the the average. I know for the series, there was like fourteen points stuff out there before. Like we was losing by less than like five points a game. Like yeah, it was it was like a close. It was like one of the closest series. Like. Yeah, like it was saying it was, it, it was it's crazy. it's one of those it's one of those weird stats. It's it's one of those weird series to really close if you closely evaluate. Obviously, we ha- we know how they lost the first game. Game one, uh the Jason Tatum spinny, like spin around, turn around, then he makes yeah. a layup at the buzzer. Like Kyrie KD, they play great um in that game. If I could yeah, they play great in that game. So like so on and so forth, there's just weird little things. I think with Boston that I've seen, as you pointed out, and I haven't even – I swear I haven't even looked at the numbers um, offensively for them, but they they have an up – there's an uptick and there's an upgrade offensively from them. And it starts with their best player, I think, Jason Tatum. I mean, we – we people kind of get on him like he's a great scorer to basketball, but, like, he needs a lot of volume. I haven't really seen that. Like, with his volume, he's been efficient. I think it's it gets to a point where you look at good scores, really great scores. And this is why I think we love Kevin Durant so much because we like dude can get 30 and 12 shots, 13, 14 shots. And with Tatum, I'm starting to see a little bit of that matureness a little bit. But even when the shot totals are quote unquote high, whatever we call high, um, high, high number of volume number of shots, he still has been efficient. Um, and I think he's slow. I think we're watching Tatum and Brown become the best duo in basketball. Yeah, for whatever uh, reasons, whether one they they just like you already have like great foundation with two great players, then you gave them the almost perfect supporting cast. Like it, it, it's just hard to beat. Like you're young, they can play a lot of minutes. 
they can both score and they both defend. They like, both defend, yeah. When Jalen Brown is probably your worst defender in the starting lineup, yeah, that that's an issue. Like that's <laughs> that's, that's no against. Like you might as well not call for a screen because oh, if I call for this screen, Tatum's on me. Oh, let me call Smart's on me. Like oh, Rob Will can move on the perimeter way. Yeah. Like, even Horford uh, still is mobile at almost thirty-five years old. Like. Whether you can argue they may not be the most talented team, but good lord, are they? They that that duo is producing the most right now out of any duo in the league. Like especially at this stage where they just seem like they 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 may win close to seventy games this year. Yeah, I was having a convo. I was like, they're they're gonna win. They they look like they're gonna be a like a six one of those sixty six. 67 win teams it wouldn't surprise me if they barring obviously barring any health issues catastrophic you know uh injuries they look like they're gonna be like a 67 and 15 type of team where they they just ran through they ran through the conference and their in the league and i in the beginning of the season i was like uh i mean not not i didn't give a like a bold or hot i don't think it was a hot take but i was like Looking at the, the the teams like throughout the league and especially throughout the Eastern Conference, I'm like Boston and Milwaukee, they're gonna run through the East. And Boston, they're younger. Um, you know, they're try they're they're trying to bounce back and get their groove and confidence back from the the finals loss. I, I I'm I'm starting to realize Milwaukee is like they're they're now on that pedestal. It's, it's funny to say because a couple years ago. They weren't at this level, but now they know what it takes to win a championship. They know they can rely on Giannis any given night. They, you know, he's pretty, and it's, it's helpful when your best player is durable. Um, but but Middleton, he's had some injuries. Holiday had an injury history. So it seems like Milwaukee, they're trying to find their way. They're still going to have a really good record. They're probably going to be a two seed in the Eastern Conference. But I, I Initially, I thought those two teams would just run rampant throughout the league. Boston has done that. Milwaukee, I feel like they're pacing themselves, and they know they understand that it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, and we know what we have to do um, to get back to what we want to get back to. So, right, and the only like some people be like, well, why is like Milwaukee? You know, they have that championship pedigree, but I'm like, if you ever looked at it. Milwaukee's offense has has never been that great. Like even the championship year, and it always drops in the playoffs. So why, when they, you know, you know, you can skate by with you know historically great defense, which they are historically great defensive dynasty. But when you see a team like Boston, it's like, "Hmm." and now that they have the offense and it's putting it, and we know. They're gonna put it together defensively too. It's like you have to be kind of you have to purposely turn the blind eye and sort of have like a blind faith in the Bucks based based off Giannis, which kind of leads to some like unrealistic lens to really have the Bucks as the favorite right now. Right. Like, that's just keeping it real. Like, because I would love for the Bucks to win. I'm pretty sure. I'm not have no shame about that. I do not like Boston. I don't want to root for them. I hope they never win. But <laughs> I gotta be real. Like they're really good. Like they're really good. 
They they are. They are. So I'm a, uh we're gonna go to, to the Western Conference. And it's weird because I think I, I, I haven't even been I'm gonna look at the standings right now in the Western Conference, but I think literally there's like two games that separates the one seed and the eight seed. And the one seed right now are the New Orleans Pelicans in the Western Conference. I think it's interesting. Uh, the, 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 like I said, the top end of the league, Boston, Milwaukee, I feel like they're in the East and the West. I feel like I have a bunch of jumbled up space. And right now I want to talk about the Warriors. I, we can talk about the West. I want to talk about the Warriors. They're, they're now back at 500. They're 13 and 13. Steph Curry's playing S tier level basketball. I mean, he, he supreme, <laughs> supreme. He just picked up where he left off in the finals. Why is should should Warrior fans be concerned about the the slow start? Is this just like you know a little championship hangover, um, or do they have some real legitimate issues that could prevent them? I, I'm I'm presumed that they're gonna make the playoffs, right? I'm not gonna do that, but that could prevent them from returning to the finals or possibly even like getting like bounced in the second round or something like that with, I mean, I see a lot of really young teams in the Western conference that I like, and that gave them trouble. Like IE Memphis, you know, that gave them trouble. Is this championship hangover or it should there be some real deal, big concerns or can you point out some major red flags that may not be, easily solvable this is not a championship hangover this is something legitimate and serious um only what i would say maybe a championship hangover is draymond not being the best defender in the world right now that may be a motor thing but um he's also having his best year offensively i would even say since 26 2017. I would say he's having his best year offensively since 2017. So, Trickmon and Steph are doing their thing. And even the starters overall, which I think they're kind of carrying the starters. Facts. Is still one of the best five-man lineups in the league. But the issue is this. Um, Clay Thompson did, did damn near stink. Like, I'm not trying to be funny. So, like, him, he, him trying to force himself back kills the offense a lot. Like, it's legitimately killing the offense. Like, he went through a stretch where he started to play in line and stuff, but it's getting to a point where I feel like I'm starting to get erratic Clay Thompson more than I get regular play within the floor in the offense, not forcing things, Clay Thompson. And that is that's not good. So that's an issue right there. And Jordan Poole, um, I don't know if Draymond punched some of his skills away or what. <laughs> but you know, this man has has not been good majority of the season. He's you know turned it on some lately. But again, um, let's just say he he's clearly not like that maxi level yet. He's probably solidly worse than maxi. Not to say he's bad, but he's sort of like playing worse than last year. Mm. I mean, he is 
I, I would say he's playing worse than last year. And, you know, he was a key element, a key surprise factor in their run last year. So that's two issues right there. Right. I would say the pool not playing how good as he did last year makes it even clay on a bigger issue. Like, okay. it, because it kind of, it kind of like hid, like it hit, especially in the postseason. With yeah. with Poole's production on offense, and, and Clay not being Clay, it was like okay, Poole is like quote unquote like he's the the, the other splash brother alongside. Like it it kind of fills that void. Now the thing that filled that void, there's no one filling that void. So you have that issue, right? That makes sense. You're right. Yeah, I mean Wiggins been Wiggins, Lurie's yeah. been Lurie. Losing GP2 clearly Big. was a, a day cannot guard a shadow on the perimeter. Like, like Clay is cooked on defense. Like, he can't guard for a pool. We know that's Swiss cheese already. Um, losing GP2. Kuminga, it, I mean, they show he shows flashes, but he's clearly not not ready yet. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they predicted him to take a next step and be ready, but mm-hmm. he's clearly not ready yet. I mean, you could say, I mean, we still have months, like five months before the playoffs, but and that's a lot of time to make a player, you know, better. But he's clearly not wet, um, ready yet. And James Wiseman was as dog shit. Um, <laughs> like, bro, he, yeah, yeah, he's terrible. Like, <laughs> Golden State really has one of the most overrated like drafting. Like they're they besides Draymond and Clay, they really have not been good at drafting for real. Like <laughs> that this. Um and the rest of the bench is just doo doo. Like, you know, you just replaced I mean a solid veteran led bench last year with these younger guys and they just aren't good. Like Dante DiVincenzo is not what he was in Milwaukee pre-injury. Yeah. He, he's not a good basketball player. Like, he's not a good basketball player. So, <laughs> I don't, I don't, you don't want to doubt the Warriors. I'm doing, I'm doing the Bucks thing where it's like, in my head it's saying still believe, still believe. But yeah. I'm like, everything in my face objectively telling me if this team didn't have the, if they only had jerseys, no names on them, on the, I'm, I'm like, yo, this team is not that good, right? Now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But no, but you, I, I think it's it's okay to have. Um, I I've been, I've been talking about this with, in terms of college football with Alabama, where, like, I'm not saying Alabama wasn't good this year, but people was like, people was clamoring for them to make the playoff, and I'm like, have you guys not watched them? They they just don't look like a playoff team, and that's okay. But I think we sometimes we fall into like a like a pre existing uh, bias, like a like a like pre existing bias where like we we look at a particular team program or whatever basketball team, and we see we, you know we look at a guy like Giannis, we look at a guy like Steph, where arguably the two best players in basketball, and we like. Okay, like they've been here, done that before. Especially with Golden State, like they've been here, done that before. Steph, Steph would be Steph, and things will just magically appear and work out. 
Well, sometimes it don't always work like that. And I think sometimes that's like that's a little bit of like pre-existing bias where like we we take what we have or what we saw from the past and we try to like fit it in for the present and the future. And it's like, oh, it may not go that way. I with the like I said, I I watch the games here and there when I can. And when I watch the Warriors, I see major struggles with bench production. So as you as you mentioned, it's that's the very that's the thing that I point. I've watched them. I can probably count. I've watched them about five times, and they weren't all national. Te- some of them were national televised games. Some of them were just regular games, lead pass game, like regular whatever whatever weekday games. And their bench production is severely hurt. Um, GP the GP two loss. You mentioned it. Huge. Huge because you look at like the perimeter defense, you look at your guards like Poole, Moses Moody, uh, Curry, and Curry's gotten better as a defender, but like he isn't like your he shouldn't be your it's like Steph Curry shouldn't be your best, per, like you shouldn't be counting on that. So, I, right? I, I, so, I, I that's those are two, those are things that I really have like saw. Like, I'm like. Okay, their bench production is clearly, clearly down. Like they were playing Phoenix and Steph went off like 50, but their bench gave them little to nothing. And Phoenix overall, like granted, Steph put on a, a virtuoso performance, but they're but cl- like Phoenix clearly has a more well-rounded and balanced roster from five from starting five to their bench. So I, I and 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 this begs the question for me to you. Looking at the Western Conference, and I mentioned there's some really young teams that we like, uh, that that I like coming into the year. Um, I thought the Pelicans, granted they're number one right now, I don't think they stay there, but I had really high hopes for the Pelicans. I thought they could be a playoff team if health if health went their way. What team in the Western Conference realistically that stands out and say like? This team could possibly make a really, really deep, impressive playoff run. Um, let's 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 see. Um, I don't I don't believe in the Suns. I never really throughout their whole run. Never thought they were that good. Kings are interesting, but they are not. Um, their defense isn't good enough. Mm. So that's and. They don't have that good of a top end talent. The Mask, they have Luca, but yeah. that play style surrounding pieces. And Clippers. This this is that, this that that's the way you feel about the Bucks and the Warriors, that's how I feel about the Clippers. It's like it's right. like a false I feel the same way about the Bills. It's like a false like hope like you 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 could be really good. But yeah, yeah. Like, you can be. To me, this is their. This okay. The, it's like the Warriors. They got their problems. They lost their problems. This is your year to break through, and you're. You just hurt too much for me to believe in you. And it's getting to the point where I'm starting to think that's what they are now. Like that's what they are, right? So now I'm looking at this as like. Myth is healthy, maybe the best well-balanced one. I mean, because I'm starting to... 
I, I may can trust them as a team more than the Pelicans. I want to say Denver so bad. I want to, but you cannot. I love Jokic, but you cannot win a championship. It hasn't been done yet. I'll say this. Right. With your, if your best player is your center and he's a negative defensively, and they're constantly like a bottom tier defense, mm-hmm. it's hard to be that potent offensively. Like you need three superstars. Like you need like the Kyrie Harden. Um, you know, Durant. KD type situation that yeah. to overpower that because as good as they are with Jokic, Murray, and Michael Porter Jr., I that three that three doesn't stack up with Harden with, with what you're mentioning. It doesn't. It just yeah. like those are good, two really nice young players. Mary's coming off the injury, and then Porter. Like I feel like I feel like the idea of MPJ is a little bit better than the actual player. But he's he's a still really he's still a really good player, and then obviously Jokic. Yeah, so it, Memphis, you know, like Memphis, really, yeah. And I, you would have told me that before. I'd be like, no, but Desmond Bain has taken another leap. Yes, Dylan Brooks is and Dylan Brooks. Like you know, you're gonna get out of him, and they have the size, they have the they have versatility. Like and they're young, and John John's is him. John's him. So you think, okay, for me, I want to say you mentioned the Clippers. Um, Here's my thing with the Clippers, and you kind of mentioned it. Like this whole Kawhi thing, I thought even I knew it was something a little sketchy opening night where or or the first their first. I don't think that was but the first game of the season when they played a long time. And like, yeah, it was weird. I, it was weird, and I was like, okay, that's that's that that should that should be a telltale sign. And then just a couple games later, it's like, oh, he's out again, and it's like, whoa. And he and and a part of me with the Clippers, I'm holding out doubt. I mean, I'm holding out, trying to hold out strong, because I'm like, if Kawhi ever gets healthy in this Western Conference, where as you mentioned. With the Warriors having their trouble, and and mind you, we're we're not we're not saying that the Warriors are not going to make the playoffs, and we're presume no 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 we're actually presuming that they will make the playoffs probably. But I'm looking at a Western Conference that's really full of young teams, like or 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 their star, their best player is young. So I look at a Clipper team that's that has a Kawhi Leonard that has had deep playoff runs that has proven to be like for two months. Can Kawhi Leonard be the best player on a, on a basketball team and that team win the NBA championship? Yes. So I, I you can get that from Kawhi, and I'm ever I'm always trying to stay strong because I'm like if Kawhi ever gets healthy. And they put it all together with the versatility defensively, the with the versatility, versatility, the length, and that they what they have defensively, and what they have in Kawhi. This is this this they can win the West. They can win the West. Right, like Paul George is still, you know, top fifteen ish type player. Paul George is still good. Kawhi, I mean, even when he came back and played, you could tell he looks better now than he looked. The season still doesn't look good enough yet, but yeah. like 
let's just say you get Kawhi, that's Kawhi by the end of the season. Okay, then they clearly should be a championship favorites out the West, especially if Golden State's have their problems and stuff. I mean, this is all before any moves get made and stuff. But if you, like, honestly, bro, who would it? Like, if, this is how great the league is. Because if you come before the season and tell me on December 8th, you're going to think the Pelicans and the Grizzlies are the two best teams out East. I mean, out West, you're going to say, hell no. Right. And, and now, look, like, I have to be objective. Like, I can't be biased on superstar talent and all that stuff. No, I, I can't. <laughs> it, it's a team sport. Like, literally, it's a team sport. And, and what's weird about the Pelicans is that they're really good defensively. Yeah. Like, and when I, cause I went and saw them play live this year when they played Charlotte. Mm. And Zion's even, I'm not saying he's good. <laughs> I'm not even saying he's a positive, but you could argue he's he's a neutral to slightly below neutral because, I mean, they're the third best defense in the league. And he's seen, he's been better on the outside. Like, he's not a cone anymore. Yeah. Especially when he gets, when he switches out on the perimeter and stuff. He's been good. Like, granted, Sutton McCullough sucks. But um, <laughs> besides that, like they're a really good roster. Like it, it, they're a beast on the glass. Like they're a top two like rebound, especially on the offensive glass team in the league. And then they had you know people like Trey Murphy off the bench. You got Herb Jones, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Yes, like, they're good, man. Like they're really good. So I kind of this kind of like leads me to. Okay, what's been some early season surprises? Like I said, we're we're getting closer to that like that Christmas Day benchmark where we, you know, people start to actually tune in and we start to like we start to see, you know, who's who. Who's what are some early season surprises or teams that have caught your eye and they made like just can you give me a list of those teams or just I don't know, it could be one or two. I mean, let's the Kings, I didn't expect for them to still, like, Mike Brown, I always thought he was a good coach. I always felt like the aura around Mike Brown was kind of like, why are y'all, I don't like he's kind of a bad coach. Like, they still was winning 60-plus games. Granted, they had LeBron, but they were always great defensively in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even have a season's worth of games with the Lakers, and they still had a, I think he was 42 and 25. Like, he got fired, even though they started off 0 They fired him after they started off 0 and 2. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, like, then he never really had an opportunity after that, but it's good to see that he stole, like, okay, I'm going to use these concepts from Golden State and bring them to my team. And that's what he did. I mean, Sacramento being, you know, a legit playoff caliber team this year surprised me, even being second best offense in the league. Like, you like to see that. I mean, even the Utah thing, I even, you know, I'll take that out of Utah because I'm so busy trying to predict that they're tanking. I didn't even take, like, really sit and say they have a roster full of basketball players. Like, I know what you mean. Yeah, they I, just have a bunch of, mm-hmm. like, they don't have, you can argue they don't have great players, but they have a bunch of, this is an NBA player. This is an NBA player. He's in a playoff rotation. They have a bunch of good playoff rotation guys yeah. that can do pass, dribble, and a great 
coach, another coach from Boston staff, Will Hardy. Yeah. You know, so with them, them two, and then New Orleans, I always thought New Orleans was a sneaky good team, but I would do it. I didn't think New Orleans would be doing it the way they're doing it. They're doing it with defense, and the offense is, you know, good, but their defense is just, like I said, top three. So yeah. those would be my three. I mean, Cleveland. I'm going to say Cleveland. I was like, I, I, Cleveland, That that's the team that I've seen glimpses of, and I'm like, okay, Mitchell is doing what Mitchell does. Uh, I think, is he, I don't know if you, but is he, shoot, I feel like he's shooting the ball a little bit better. Like the, I mean, I, and I mean, like the three, like his three point shot is a little bit better, a little bit more consistent than it was in Utah. Maybe that comes from, um, maybe that comes from like uh, playing alongside Darius Garland, where in Utah, Mike, no, no hit against Mike Conley, but then Mike Conley's a little older. Darius Garland it, it, what, had an all star caliber year last year. I'm a really big fan of Mobley. Um, I like what they have with Mobley and Jared Allen, where Mobley can like stretch the floor, and then you got a guy in Allen who's a really good rim protector. He he knows how to get to the dunker spot and so forth. I like the Cleveland roster, and they got like a bunch of young guys that I just like: Curtis LeVert or Cor- Isaac Okoro. They got pieces that I like. Shady Osmond. Yeah, Shady. Yeah. <laughs> Conference. We talked about Boston, Milwaukee. Um, your net. I feel like your Nets have um, have become. I, I, I honestly, I thought they probably should have hired Jock Vaughn initially before that whole process with Nash. But your Nets are starting to find some a form of with rhythm. I still think they're missing like a like a a, a big a big. That can be defensively a little bit more defensively present, uh, just more size because you got you because I, I think about like when I if I'm building a team I think about what I have to do to get out of the conference. Well, who in the hell do I have to beat? I have to beat the Celtics and I have to beat I have to beat the the Bucks. The Celtics they got big they like there's no no guy no no player on the Celtics starting five that when they're healthy is smaller than six four six five. So you gotta you got you gotta have length. And then Milwaukee, 
They got Giannis. They got a tank down low. So you got to be able to defend that as well. So I, I like the strides that I see from Brooklyn. What, real quick, last thing before I let you go. Where does Cleveland rank right now? Like, you watched them early on in the season. They're having a pretty good season. Where do they rank in terms of the Eastern Conference? They probably are – they're probably not top two maybe. I don't know. Maybe you think they're better than Milwaukee. But we talked about Boston-Milwaukee. Where do they rank? Where does Cleveland rank? Okay, so they're, they're not top two. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> no. no way, Jose. Not yet, not yet. Now, if I I can say if they make another move and get that uh, a real two way talent at that three, <laughs> they, they, then we can have some conversation. <laughs> but objectively speaking, I would say they should be third. I'm not. I w- I want to see them versus us. For some reason, I just need to see that matchup to say, okay, let's see how who's fighting for that third spot. But I would say they can go anywhere from third to six. I still think like a healthy Philly. Uh-huh. Um, I will honestly, I will put Miami at that sixth spot. But, <laughs> but you can argue if Miami gets it together, Miami, nah. No, they're going to be better than Miami regardless. So, three to five. Yeah, three to five. Because I think Philly will move up and could potentially still be the third best team out east. You know, they've had a lot of injuries. This injuries, year, so yeah. Get a larger sample, a healthier, larger sample under their belt. But three to five, and I lean closer to – I'm going to give them their credit. I'm going to lean close to three. I'm going to give them three right now unless, you know – Philly starts to turn up. I, 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 who knows what's going on with us? Who's even going to be on our team later on this year? So, I, I would say three, and, and that's coming a long way. For I'm about to say, I, I this. So this is the. I don't. I don't want to hold you too long because I know you're busy. But I must say, Najee, this when when you hit me up, you had me a little nervous. But no, this is this is all growth. You see, this is growth. This is a mature. You see, we talked about pre-existing biases. We right. talked about, you know, putting away the like. I'm, and we love our superstars. We love the Stephs. We love the KDs. We love the Giannis. But if they're on an inferior team, and it's clear, and the other t- like, I, I like this. I like this growth in this maturation process. It, it, it's you, this is a good journey. This is a good journey. Maybe just he. You got a podcast, so you gotta be your credit. You want your credibility. I love it. I love this new. This is this is rare. I know you guys probably don't understand, but this this is rare to to hear him. We're we're, we're naming all the biases and so forth. So great. That's growth. That's growth. I'm trying, man. <laughs> if it was up to me, it'd be Brooklyn and <laughs> See. Oh, See, but no, but uh, thank you for coming on. Um, we gotta. Oh, I thought I get you off. We gotta. We gotta discuss Brittany Grant. But no, we 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 good to that. But oh. <laughs> one of the. <laughs> I, I'm glad she's home. I'm glad she's home. I'm but but can we admit that Putin fleeced Biden in the bro, trade? Bro. That James like the power of the song, Cormac Brown. <laughs> but that thing is sick. I mean, I look at it like this, you know. 
we got fleeced, but hey, at least at least it was fleeced to help a black person. So <laughs> I got you. I got you. Hey, if you go, get, if you go get at least get fleeced for somebody black. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I would I would hope that the guy that they traded back, you know, they got him the turn. The Merchant but, of Death. Now, but hey, man, the America. Another L. <laughs> hey, but at least we got a black woman home, man. I'm glad she home. Glad she's alive. I'm just glad she's alive to begin with. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, we we we're just. This is all jokes. We yeah. we're we're glad that Brittany Griner's back home. We understand that what happened to her, that 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 shouldn't be. That that was just wrongfully. That was wrongfully doings. Um, but as you said, we gave back the merchant of death. Um, so That's big. I, bro, I saw that trend on Twitter. I'm like, who's the merchant of death? I'm like, oh, this is a real person. This is, this is a, this, no, this is, it's not a term. This is his nickname. Yeah, that's sick, yo. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, thank you for coming on, Naji. Anytime you want to come back on, we discuss NBA, we discuss hoops. I'll, I, I happily do it, but thank you, my guy, for coming on and showing love. No problem, bro. I'm going to be out that way soon. All right, bet. All right. All right. So my weekly installment of my top 10 teams, Isaiah's top 10 teams, we do this on a weekly basis. Anytime we record, I give you guys my top 10 teams, how I feel, how I see these teams. Um, I can't remember. I would have to go back in my notes. I can't remember what my last top 10 list looked like, but I would imagine it's fairly similar. So let's start with at let's start at 10. Um, I got the Ravens at 10. I think they do a lot well I, with the Ravens. I, I just see a, a limitation, a ceiling. I don't, I, I like, could they win multiple playoff games? Maybe. I just don't see enough in the passing game. Uh, Lamar did get hurt. Um, so we'll see how that fares, but I just, they, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, but I don't see the element. Like I haven't watched the Ravens and I'm like, Man, they they are damn it good. Like, they do a lot of things really good. I don't know what they do great. I don't like. I don't know what their calling card is. Is it running the football? Maybe, but defensively, they're still having some troubles in the secondary and giving up some big plays. We know early in the season, that's what kind of haunted them. But I look at the Ravens. It's now getting. It's we're in December. And I'm looking for what teams do well. What is your standout trait that, like, okay, you know this thing, you're, they're going to do this well. I don't know that for the Ravens. At nine, the Titans. The Titans do have this type of this trait that I'm talking about in terms of what am I getting? What is your best quality? What are you going to hang your hat on when things get rough? They're physical. The Titans physical, they're going to punch you in the mouth, they're going to run the football. They're now offensively, their point differential looks a little funky because they can't blow you out. They they're not explosive enough down the field. They can't like just beat you and burn you down the field with big time plays. That's that's not who they are offensively. That's not their makeup. Even when they had those type of caliber players, that that, that just wasn't their offense. Um they fired their GM, which I don't think it was necessarily a bad move, but this is it's and they had a they had a really bad loss versus Philly. They got they got beat bad on the road at Philadelphia 
But I say this about the Titans. They're going to win their division. They're going to be a playoff team. And you know what you're getting. And they're going to they make you scrap for it. So I got the Titans at nine. At eight, I have the Vikings. Now, they don't always... You, you see the trend with these three teams that I've already mentioned. They don't always do it pretty. The Vikings point differential is a little funky as well because they win a lot of close games because they find themselves trailing. They come back, and like I say, winning close games in the NFL, it's like it's kind of a skill, but some of it is like luck-based. It's like primarily just luck. So, like, it's a skill – to a certain degree, you got to be good situationally, but some of it is luck in terms of winning a lot of these one close possession games. And in terms of their defense, I like their edge rushers, but they still are very, very prone to give up really big plays. So I don't know how that fares for them um, in terms of the postseason and what that looks like, but they give up. Their defense is not really good. It's not that good. I like their edge rushers, but outside of that, they still are really susceptible and vulnerable in the secondary. So I got the Vikings at eight. At seven, I got the Dolphins. I still think, I still like this team. I like the makeup of this team. I love the elements of this team. I like their coach. Um, I think Tua has been playing better. I don't think he, I don't think we should, I don't, I wouldn't give him MVP consideration, but I do think Tua, he's shown that he's a capable, quality starting level quarterback. Not elite, but a starting level quarterback in this league. Now they faced, they ran into a power saw versus the 49ers. And uh, I think the Dolphins, they were missing both of their tackles, right tackle and left tackle. So you you face the 49ers, your damn offensive line better be healthy. If not, it could spell trouble. That's what it was. Tua turned the ball over a little bit. Um 49ers were able to get some pressure. That's one of the best defenses in the league. I'm not surprised that San Francisco lost that game. I mean, that Miami lost that game by two scores. I'm not. It was kind of, you could kind of tell, like, okay, they're missing both of their tackles. You know, this 49er defense is hot. This 49er team is hot. This, they might win this by two possessions. That's what happened. But I still think Miami, in terms of their ceiling, I think they still have a pretty high ceiling. I could see the Dolphins winning multiple playoff games i think their defense have been underachieving but if it comes alive with this offense i can see them winning multiple playoff games i got the dolphins at seven at six i got the 49ers um brock purdy we'll see what happens with that situation with the quarterback situation but everything else you guys know i love this 49er team i love it everything else i love it uh nick boat i mean nick bosa Arguably the defensive player of the year or the front runner. Him and Michael Parsons, they're like, like, they're like right there. I mean, this 49er defense <clears throat> is vicious. It's ferocious. D'Amico Ryans is definitely going to probably have a head coaching job in his future. Uh, I just worry about now the quarterback situation. Like, what can the what, I tell you this on the bright side? They got playmakers everywhere. The 49ers got playmakers everywhere, and they have a lot of stuff. They have a lot of stuff. Which, like, Kyle don't ask his quarterbacks to be Joe Burrow, to be Justin Herbert, to be Patrick Mahomes. He don't ask his quarterbacks to do a lot. And quite quite frankly, with this set of – with these set of players, offensive line, running backs, receiver, and then Kyle is the play caller, you don't really need to do much. 
you don't need to do much to win games. I think Niners can still stay afloat. I still think they're dangerous. We just got to figure out what, what, like, what are the limitations and what, like, what's the actual defined ceiling for the 49ers. But I still got them at six. At five, I look at this Niner team. I mean, at five, I have the Bengals. Cincinnati, they're interesting because I think they might be the scariest team in the AFC that nobody wants to play, including Kansas City. Um, and I'm not just saying that because <clears throat> they beat Kansas City this past week, but they did go into Arrowhead and beat Kansas City in an actual playoff game. And I just look like they have the swagger. They have the confidence. Their defense is like secretly, like, uh, like secretly really good. It's one of the best kept units in football. They have a top 10 def. They have a top 10 quality defense. That was not the case last year offensively they're starting to find their groove joe burrow has been playing really really well they get they got jamar chase back so it's like offensively if they can if they don't get too pass happy and they find a great balance of the passing attack that they have along with the running game with joe mixon and p ryan this cincinnati team could very well find themselves back in the afc championship game i could see that for them i really do I got the Cincinnati Bengals at five. At four, I have the Bills. I have the Bills slightly ahead. Um, <clears throat> now they did lose Von Miller on the season. That's huge. That's going to be really huge. That 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 may not actually show itself until the playoffs. How important, how vital he was. Now, you guys know my biggest thing, my biggest knock with the Bills is hey, they can't run the football to save their lives. Everybody knows it. And you really dial it back on this uh, on this team. They they're relying on Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen to be the running game. Josh Allen to make plays through the air, and Stephon Diggs to come down with the football. But their offensive line is uh, okay. The running game is uh, okay. They're trying to find it. They're trying to find a balance, some type of symptom of the running game. But the surrounding pieces of this Bills offense, I got to see more contributions. I want to see more contributions because it's too reliant on Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen's legs, Josh Allen's arm, Stephon Diggs getting open. It's too reliant on that. And that's where I'm like, this Bills team, I, this Bills team, you want them to be like, I want, like, you want it for them because you see the potential, you see how good they are. But they like they're too reliant on two guys. It needs to stop. But I got the Bills at four. I had the Cowboys at three. I'm sorry. I got the Cowboys at three. They're leading the league in sacks. Um, they they have the best pass rush in football. They have the best pass rush in football. Um, they're generating turnovers. Their offense is averaging nearly, I think it's over 35 points per game since Dak has been back. So my biggest question for Dallas over the past couple of weeks or, you know, before Dak and when Dak came back, I was like, offensively, what do they look like? Well, they've answered my question. They have found the combination of Zeke and Pollard in the backfield. You look at their offensive line has performed pretty well. And then you look at the receivers. Michael Gallup starting to find his niche in his groove. CeeDee Lamb has had like a breaking out. Like a, he's having a really good season. He only has four drops in the year. I look at this Cowboy team. 
they got they got something here. Now, in terms of postseason and looking at the playoffs, you wonder about, you know, Mike McCarthy. What do they look like situationally? Can they be disciplined enough to not shoot themselves in the foot? And it costs them a playoff game like it usually typically has over the past 20 years. Can they get over that hump? It's the biggest knock. At two, I was really flip-flopping. At two, I got the Eagles. I wanted to put them at one, but I got the Eagles. I think the Eagles have been really dominant. Um, they dominant win over Tennessee. Now, a couple weeks ago, they struggled versus Indianapolis, but dominant win over Tennessee. Jalen Hurts, uh, he does it with his legs and his arm. Not surprised that they look so good. This Eagles team look like they're getting ready to be in playoff form. And then at one, the Chiefs. I have them. I know they're coming off the loss and so forth. Uh, I didn't agree with some of the decision-making in terms of, like, you know, taking Mahomes off the field at times. I didn't agree. This defense, it can stop the run. But as I told you guys, I worry about their pass defense a little bit. Now, I think their their passing defense statistics, their numbers make them look worse than what they actually are because they're, they're usually leading in a lot of these games. So opposing offenses have to throw the football. But Cincinnati, Buffalo, like I listed, like those are the teams that really have potent passing games that could really give Kansas City some problems in the postseason. And it kind of showed itself this past week with the Cincinnati loss. I have the Chiefs at number one. I still think Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. I still think he's by far the best player in football. That's just what I think. I got the Chiefs at one. So. That does it with my top 10 list. That does it for this episode. We've covered a lot. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'll be back next week. Um, And, yeah, we'll be, we'll be back on. Uh, always remember two choices, one decision. Peace, deuces. I'm gone. I'm out.